0: Good morning, church. Would you stand with us as we worship this morning, as we praise the God who loves us, that saves us?
1: This is our God. Remember those walls when we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape, but He came. Died And he rose Those walls are rubble now Remember those giants We called death and grave oh. They were like mountains That stood in our way But he came And he died And he rose Those giants are dead now Alright, let's declare
2: this church.
1: This is our God. This is who He is.
2: He loves us. This is our God. This is what He does. He saves.
1: All right, church let's sing that oh, whole praise the- fixed on Jesus' face, we turn our eyes upon Jesus for His, his wonderful place, and the things of earth, they go strangely dim.
2: says if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from the heavens and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land
0: where you can grab your families or just yourself and come to the table take that time to be able to remember what he did and even what he promises to do and fulfill you know John 1 talks about John the Baptist calling him the Lamb of God so this morning we get to remember the sacrifice of God, the blood that was shed that provides salvation for us. And if you're mobility challenged, feel free to raise your hand and we'll have an usher bring it to you. But let's continue just to be in his presence. As we continue to worship, give him worth, give him praise.
3: host of people coming up here right now come on up here if you're supposed to be up here get on on the stage we are excited to install and introduce to you our new high school pastor And while everybody is coming up, I'll just give you a little bit of, uh, you know, how that has transpired. A little bit of a process here, starting with uh, going to local Christian universities and uh, doing some recruiting there. We posted um, the job on nationally recognized and utilized uh, websites for pastor job postings. And uh, then there was a whole bunch of interviews uh, with myself, our team, our elders. And finally, we have here Brandon DePuma and family. Come here, Marianne. Brandon, come over here. Right up here, please. We like to make the joke that you're not, um, you're not you know, uh, qualified to be on, your, on our staff team unless you could be an offensive lineman and some kind of you know sports football team. And so we've added an addition, don't come to our church, don't mess, we don't mess around, we're big boys. Anyway, Brandon, we're so glad to have you. This is Marianne, uh, can you tell us the name of your children?
4: Yes, this is Bo, he's three, Liam's four, Finley's seven, and our youngest little girl, Isla, six months.
3: Six months for Isla, and so, we certainly want to welcome you. We're going to do it in kind of a special way in a second here, but I just want to say a couple of things. Um, you know, anytime we have a family that's willing to give up um, a lot to be in ministry, it's a special thing. I don't know if you've heard about this, but this is not the path to getting rich, uh, being in ministry. And so, uh, and we are also seeing, we need to pray for the church in America. We're seeing the pool of people who want to go into ministry dwindle. And I think it has something to do with the fact that Christianity is becoming more and more marginalized. And if you are going to stand for the scriptures, you are going to be marginalized in that process. And there's not a lot of people who want to stand up and take that take that um, leadership. And so we need to pray for the Church of America. We need to pray for these guys. We need to be super thankful for the people who want to serve the Lord in this fashion. Uh, They live in uh, Simi Valley. And uh, so if you know somebody with a really inexpensive, affordable ADU in their backyard, let us know. We'd love to see maybe one day the Lord bring him closer to Camarillo. But right now, I think that works really, really well. And uh, we are so excited to have them be a part of our team, especially in this season. Uh, believe it or not, we were expecting with the transition in high school ministry, we, we were expecting that maybe see our high school ministry uh, fall numerically, maybe even to half. You kind of expect those things when you have a transition. The opposite has happened um we have had a month of 60 students 63 students 80 students 84 students last week uh it's been incredible to see the amount of students that are coming out both in high school and in middle school this last week in middle school had 102 students you got to understand for a church of our size you would expect 20 kids to come your youth ministry is doing and thriving if you have 40. And they're doubling, tripling that. And so with that is some challenges. We need people, right? We need more people. We need adults. We need young adults who are ready to, to serve the Lord and, fill the, and want to be used in a place where they're being needed. If you're a cool parent, Meaning like you'll come and you won't be mom and dad, but you can be like a cool parent. We need you too. Uh, a lot of these kids don't know Christ yet, and we're having to deal with all those kind of intricacies. So if God's calling you to that, you want to see Brandon, you want to see Jacob in the process. But Kenny, would you, this is going to be cool. This is going to be fun. All you guys are going to be involved in this. Kenny, take it away and let's install these guys.
5: All right. Um, so our elder board met yesterday and they unanimously voted to make Pastor uh, Brandon a pastor of our church. And what we're going to do now is we're going to commission him, and we're going to pray a blessing over him and his ministry moving forward. So before we do that, I want to ask you a few questions, Brandon. Will you commit to preach God's Word, both in season and out of season, not shrinking back um, from teaching the whole counsel of Scripture? I will. All right. Will you commit to lead our youth and the people of this church by being an example of maturity in Christ? I will. Will you commit to pray fervently for and love the students who God has entrusted you to shepherd? Absolutely, I will. All right. And will you commit to proclaim salvation through Christ alone so that all others may come to know him? I will. All right. And, CAMCC, will you commit to pray for and support your prep pastor and his ministry here at CAMCC uh, through fervently praying and loving for them and supporting them when they have a need? If so, say we will. All right. Let's pray. Uh, Elders, if you want to come forward and put your hands on them. And congregation, would you stand for this as well and put your hands out if you feel comfortable towards Brandon and his family? Uh, Lord, would you, first of all, just bless Brandon and Marianne and Finley, Liam, Bo, Isla, as uh, they commit to ministry, That's a difficult road, Lord, and we just pray that you bless them, that this be a time of growth in their family and a time of uh, increase for their love for each other and their maturity towards you. Uh, And Lord, would you bless Brandon's ministry here at Camcc? Would you take the Christian kids who've grown up in this church and use Brandon and the ministry here to challenge them to grow in their faith to full maturity? Um, And would you use Brandon's gifts and uh, to reach people who don't yet know you, Lord, that we'd have students who don't know Christ come to our, through our doors, hear the gospel, accept the gospel, be baptized, and grow in their faith. Um, and Lord, would you validate his ministry? Would you provide fruit? Would you send leaders? Would you send life transformation for all that are involved? Uh, would you use the gifts that you give in Brandon, Lord? Um, to bless this church, bless our students, and to bless their family. We say all this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, and here's your certificate of license. Give them a hand, everybody. Have a seat. Thank you. As they
3: make their way. Man, one of these little guys is made for the stage. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, hey, uh, listen. Uh, yeah, as you guys are making way, that's awesome. Hey, I always say with our staff team, somebody needs to take them out to lunch. Like, take that family out to lunch. Take them to Wood Ranch or something. You guys right there. Take them out to Wood Ranch. I'm just messing. Uh, hey, we have uh, such a wonderful team. We've had a wonderful team. We're so excited about what God will do there. I need to kind of transition our minds for a second here and uh, kind of prepare us for what we're about to see. Uh, if you are new today, it's a wonderful day to be a part of Camarillo Community Church. Uh, the gathering has all kinds of good stuff in it. And uh, we I'm gonna remind you that several years ago, we did an initiative called LA Impact. Who remembers that? Raise your hand, LA Impact. Kenny built a sign that said LA Impact on it, and we asked you to buy light bulbs. Do you remember this? And I and I specifically told you, you know, we had different color light bulbs. There's like a white color light bulb was worth this amount of money, and a red color, and the, the blue color light bulbs were worth $500, and I used to say, you know, why buy a light bulb for a dollar for these cents at Home Depot when you can buy one for us for $500? You remember that? And we were saying we wanted to buy blue light bulbs so we can screw it into our sign so that we could send off a church and start a church in L.A., okay? And uh, I, I want to remind you that that because now we have the full circle story. So today, as part of our, um, uh, our, our Converge uh, church planting emphasis across the United States, so we're part of a church family of like-minded churches, of about 1,500 churches across the United States, and this weekend, many of them are highlighting church planting just like we are. And uh, as a part of that, we made a commitment, uh, our Converge family of churches about five years ago, that we wanted to plant 312 new churches over the next whatever number of years and this is one of those churches. And now I wanted you to hear the story of what happened since we were able to kind of cede some money to them and see them go in L.A. It's gonna be an unbelievable story. You're gonna be a part of it. And I want you to watch this video so you can remember the full story all the way around. And when that is over, please welcome Ken Lippold as he comes and shares the Word of God with us.
4: Something new has begun with churches represented all across America. In faith, we are believing God to do more than we can ask or think. As we look coast to coast at the faithful leaders of the Converge Movement, what will God do? How will he move in a new and fresh way? What is the potential for lives to be changed and for God to be magnified like never before? To reach more people with the gospel, Converge Churches have committed to plant 15 new churches in the Northeast. 30 in the Mid-Atlantic. 60 in Mid-America. 50 in North Central. 7 in Heartland. 25 in the Great Lakes. 15 in Rocky Mountain. 25 in the Northwest. 25 in the Pac-West. 35 in the Southwest, and 25 new church plants in the Southeast. That's 312 new churches from coast to coast by 2026. If each of these churches grew to only 200 people, that would be over 60,000 lives impacted. New churches reach new people in new ways. Let's start something new.
3: I'm super excited to let you know that our denomination is planting a church in LA City proper called Christ Church. All right, here's how you can be involved, CamCC. We need you to go to Starbucks and get a $5 gift card. If you will commit to certain amounts of money to give to this church plant, we're gonna give you a
5: light bulb that you can screw into that sign. We're gonna be able to provide a latte for the first 133 guests. We were able to raise twenty nine thousand three hundred dollars
2: i just um want to say thank you we're so grateful to god for you and your
6: partnership we were living overseas uh, on the mission field for seven years and then came straight to la to plant this church are there going to be churches that get behind us are there going to be churches that support us Um, and you guys have been incredible this is this is amazing Uh, we're so thankful for your partnership in the gospel good morning. As Dave said, my name is Ken Lippold, and as a a guest preacher today, uh, I wanted to make sure that you felt a little bit comfortable, because it could be a little bit, you know, off-putting to have somebody come in as a guest, and so just to make sure that I was ready for what was going to happen today, I watched bits and pieces of a few sermons that David has done recently, and I noticed something in particular about his preaching, and it said he never walks up here without a drink. And so sometimes he comes with a a water bottle. I don't know if you've noticed that, but sometimes that's a good, healthy choice that he makes. So sometimes he's got that. Um, I did see him uh, in one of his sermons. uh, He came up with a Starbucks uh, cup. So there's, just in case that makes you feel more comfortable, there you go. Uh, He did come, I think, a more recent one uh, with a Coke Zero. Again, another, I guess that's a healthy choice. I don't know. Um, But the most recent one I saw that he did, he actually came with a McDonald's cup but I thought I'd do them one, one better, and I brought a Christian soda with me. I've got, so, some of you, some of you are wondering, how do you get that on a Sunday? It's a trick only pastors know. Uh, well, you know, a huge reason um, that we're here today is that David asked me to come and share a little bit of the story of our church that has been planted, um, and, uh, and so we are one of those 312 churches. And so I want to share just a little bit about that. And a huge reason why we are here today, why our church exists, is because of CAMCC, because of you guys and your generosity. So before I do anything today, I want to say thank you, uh, because your generosity is the reason that Christ Church Los Angeles exists today. Um, And the best way that I could do that is uh, say to you exactly what Paul said to the Philippians. And so he said this to the Philippians uh, in chapter 1. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I love that because it says that your partnership, your generosity towards us has actually created a good work in you. And so before we get into the sermon, let me just give thanks to God for you right now and for the good work that he's actually begun in you through your partnership in the gospel. So let's pray. God, I thank you for Camarillo Community Church. I thank you for their kindness, their support, their generosity. And Lord, we love that that has begun a good work in them, and we pray that you would carry it on to completion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, the text that we're gonna look at today uh, is from the book of Acts, and uh, it's one that's all about unity. It's actually about an extraordinary unity. And the reason I wanna look at that text is because uh, one of the themes that has emerged in our church plant is actually that of unity. And I brought one more prop, um, and uh, this is a picture, this little tent is a picture of that unity. Just in case you can't see it, we can put, this is where it sits normally uh, in our church uh, on the altar there. And uh, this tent uh, represents the story that I want you to see in this next video. So we're going to play another video for you here. Take a look and see what this tent represents. Here's a riddle. How do you launch a brand new church with 100 years of history? You merge the two churches together.
1: I lived in this area over 25 years now. You know, I never gave this church a time of day. I never consider it a church until I needed spiritual help. And um, back in 2018 is when I made this my
0: home. My grandma brought me to this church when I was about 11, so around 1974. There were a lot of teenagers here. There were a lot of people here at that time.
1: I came to this church uh, back in 97, and our, our goal was to become 100 members and then break down and plant another church. We were going to support the other church and this church and do that again, but uh, that didn't happen. We couldn't meet our goals, and we declined membership.
0: Our our pastor was about to leave, so our attendance had gone down, and we had a few challenges, and then COVID broke out.
1: Those were tough moments for a man like me, a person like me that, that needs to be in a congregation
0: that needs to have that fellowship.
1: It was very important to all of
0: us to keep together.
1: I committed myself that as much as they want to stay alive, I will stay and support them and keep them up. So I seek for uh, pastors. So we were a church looking for a place to be. We were looking all over the city for any spot we could possibly meet in person because we were really starving for that and uh, can happen to upon this church that had a very similar name to our church
6: and they said hey during the covid-19 pandemic use the parking lot set up a tent and go for it and i went to to nelson who was stewarding this church and i said hey this thing in the parking lot's kind of working for us can we sign a contract for a year and he said well hold off on that because i've been talking to the members and they actually would really like it when you guys are ready with the covid restrictions to to move indoors one of the members on, in
1: our meeting suggested that while we're renting to this group in a tent why don't we allow them to use the building instead and that way we can benefit of the World of
6: god and everything all together and then a few more conversations actually led to us uh, saying what if it was more than just us renting space like what if we came together as two churches what if we became one church after lots of prayer and discussions and working together in December of uh, 2021, we launched Christ Church Los Angeles.
1: Now that we merged together, we're seeing uh, the fruits of all the labor. We're just confident that God is doing something really wonderful before our eyes. We're part of
0: something greater than we could ever imagine. And the beginning of
6: another hundred years
0: we're all in it together, and that's what makes it exciting.
6: Look at the extraordinary things that God can do when you have two churches coming together, one that is brand new with a, a vision to reach the neighborhood, with a vision to, to spread the gospel, and one that says, we don't want the legacy of the gospel in this neighborhood to disappear. And what happens is you have a church launched on its first day with a 100 years of history. So why why this little tent, why does this little plastic tent uh, serve as a picture of that unity of two churches, one that is brand new and one that is 100 years old? It's because actually both churches started on the exact same street corner under a tent. In 1922, a little more than 100 years ago, a church was planted on the corner of uh, Edenhurst and Gardenside Lane in the Atwater Village neighborhood of Los Angeles, this brand new community in the 1920s of homes popping up. And nearly 100 years later, we set up a tent in the parking lot of that same church on that same street corner to plant Christ Church Los Angeles. And so this little tent is a picture of uh, our shared starting points that not only do we have a uh, present and a future that we're sharing together as one unified church, but we actually have a shared history. We have a shared past because both churches started in the same way, under a tent. And you know what else I love about starting under a tent is that when God called his people out of slavery in Egypt, and he gave them the instructions about how they were to worship him, do you know where He had them worship him? In a tent. And so our shared unified history goes all the way back with all of God's people, even including you, thousands of years ago to Mount Sinai. And so unity has become an important theme for our church and that's what I wanna talk about today as I share about our church and as we look at our passage from Acts chapter four. And so if you have a Bible with you, uh, you wanna pull that out um, or you can pull out your phone or whatever and and turn to Acts chapter four. I'm gonna read from verse 32. And it says there, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, the key verse in that passage, and so the big idea, the key idea today, is verse 32. It says, all the believers... We're in one heart and mind. In other words, unity. And so we're gonna look at this in three parts. Part one, all the believers. Part two, one heart and mind. And part three, how they got there. How did they become a church that is unified in heart and mind? So part one, all the believers. And this passage, by the way, it comes just before one of the most controversial texts uh, in the entire New Testament. It's a story about Ananias and Sapphira, uh, which is a story about a couple who make a promise to the church to sell some of their land. And they say they're going to give 100% of the proceeds to the needy and the church. Except what happens is that they conspire with one another to keep back some of the money. And so when the day comes to bring their gift, they only bring some of the money and then they die. Very controversial. I'll let your own pastor explain that one to you. (laughs) I'm only bringing that up to say that there is beginning in the church some serious disunity. And disunity can come about in a church for all sorts of reasons. But the potential for disunity in the very first church in history, the one that our passage is describing, is greater than potentially any church that has ever come after it. Because here's why. Notice verse 32, it says, all the believers. And that word, all, it's very important to understanding uh, this passage because the word there for all in the original language is a word that means the multitude or the amplitude or the magnitude or the fullness. In other words, what the author, Luke, is trying to say when he says all the believers is that every single believer, the entire church, is of one heart and mind. And the potential for that particular group to be disunited is off the charts. Because go back to Acts chapter two and how does it describe the very first church? And this is the very same church we're still talking about in Acts chapter four, not much time has passed. The very first church in Jerusalem, and by the way, these are the only Christians in the world, pretty much. Back in chapter 2, it says that 3,000 people believed and joined the church on day one. And then it says that those 3,000 people, it says in chapter 2, verse 5, it says, We're from every nation under heaven. And then in verse 10, Luke starts to list them out. He says there's Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, uh, people from Egypt and Libya, people from Rome, the Cretans, Arabs. And so with that list, Luke is representing people from every nation under heaven. People from every religious background, people from every economic background, every race, every stage of life, and he's talking about thousands of them. So, when it says in chapter 4, all the believers, this is who he's talking about. Now, just think how hard it is for five people from the same family, the same race, the same language, the same socioeconomic status, think about how hard it is for a homogeneous family to decide where to go for lunch after church today, and how hard it must have been for there to be unity, not just in one family— Not just in one small group, not just in in one small church of homogeneous people, but one mega church of people from every nation, language, religious background, socioeconomic status, age, race, stage of life. And so when we talk about unity in Acts chapter 4, we're talking about a unity of people who have no business being unified with one another, let alone even knowing each other. Now, our church down in L.A., it's a fairly diverse church. We have people not from every nation under heaven, that would be great, but we do have from several. We have from Albania and from El Salvador and from Nicaragua and England and Spain and Mexico and Brazil and Texas. (laughs) We have people from different social classes and socioeconomic backgrounds. We have actors, we have directors, we have lawyers, we have business people, we have construction laborers, we have writers, we have store clerks, we have dishwashers. We have people in their 70s, in their 60s, in their 50s, in their 40s, their 30s, their 20s. We have newborns, we have five-year-olds. And so not people from every nation, but still pretty diverse. And there was a moment when I actually thought this diversity might lead to a major disunity within just months of the church being launched. Uh, A couple of months into us being launched, we started a Sunday morning prayer meeting before the service and uh you know the first couple weeks you just had the usual suspects you know the people who you would would expect who would come to a prayer meeting and so you're talking about people who've been christians for a number of years and you know we we had a guy that was coming and uh from a different uh ethnic background um and but pretty conservative been a christian for maybe 10 12 years uh, and very conservative in every way and so he's coming to this prayer meeting And uh, I think the second week we had the prayer meeting, in walks one of our new believers, somebody who had just come to faith uh, out of the gay community, and he comes in and he sits down he goes, I've never been to a prayer meeting before, I don't know what we do, but I got a phone call last night that said um, a really important person to me back home uh, had a stroke, and I wondered, could we pray for that person? And he goes, could maybe one of you pray? Uh, He goes, because I don't know how to pray, you know, as a formerly gay liberal, I don't know what I'm doing. And I thought, okay, there there goes the unity right now. Because I've got my conservatives and people that have been Christians for a while, and they've got a certain way of living and a certain way of thinking. And then I've got this guy that comes in, and he's so different. And I thought, there goes the unity. And so we pray, and the prayer meeting ends, and we go out front. We do, just like you guys, we have coffee and donuts out in front uh, before the service. And so we go out, and I'm talking to the, the guy that came in, the guy with the prayer request and I am just saying, hey, you know, tell me about your friend, and it's great that you came to the prayer meeting, and we're having a conversation, but I'm a little bit nervous because the guy that I was worried about hasn't come out of the room yet. And uh, all of a sudden, I see him come out, and he walks straight over to us, and I thought, okay, here it goes. Here goes the unity, the unity is gone. And this man walks up, uh, kind of slowly, pensively, and he pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket, he ignores me entirely, hands it to the guy that asked for the prayer request, he goes, hey, Um, before I left the room, I just wrote down some Bible verses about sickness and about suffering that I thought might be an encouragement to you and your friend. My jaw dropped to the floor. And I said to him, do you realize what just happened here? You guys have no business even knowing each other, let alone being friends with each other, let alone encouraging one another. But because you both have Christ in common, look at this unity that can happen. And so here's what that showed me. It showed me that Acts chapter four is possible. That you can have the most diverse group of individuals come together with one heart and one mind if and only if Christ is what they share in common. Now I want you to think about that the next time you have a disagreement with someone at church. The next time the person that you know they're on the other side of the political aisle comes in and sits down in your aisle. Or the next time that person walks into a small group or you know, walks into the worship service. The next time that somebody comes in who you know you disagree with something, I want you to think about that because the thing that unifies you is not your politics. It's not your opinions on the church budget. It's not your opinions on what the youth group should do. It's not even that you live in the same town. What unifies you is Christ. And if you can center yourselves on that, then you can face any threat to your unity, both inside the church and outside the church. Now, the context of this passage is also threats to the unity of the church from the outside. And in fact, everything uh, that comes before in chapters 3 and 4 are actually about threats to the unity of the church from outside. And our church plan has faced that, too. Last summer, we raised some some funds to renovate the inside of our building. And just one week before we were to be uh, completed with the works and then have a big open house, a big celebration. We invite all our family and friends and neighbors. uh, I pull up Sunday morning to church. And there's a guy that likes to get there early and unlock the doors and stuff like that. And so I pull up to the side door of the church and he's, he pops his head out he goes, Ken, get in here right now. And I'm like, what? He goes, just get in here. It's the worst, it's the worst, it's the worst. And we walk all the way through the church to the sanctuary to the front door of the church and he just keeps saying it's the worst, it's the worst. He can't tell me about what's happened. And I get to the front door and then this is, this is what we see. Someone tried to burn the building down. And uh, just to add insult to injury, by the way, when we opened the door, uh, we saw this. There was a, you know the next one there. There's a match there, an unburnt <laughs> match. And somebody tried to burn it down. And that Sunday, I drove away from the church pretty upset. And I think rightfully so. As I drove home, I was praying and pouring out my anger to God, and as I did that, I felt God saying to me, I want you to know, Ken, that I gave that building to your church for nothing. And I could take it away from you in an instant. And so be careful that you don't let the building become your church's idol. Worship me, not the building. Put me at the center of your life, put me at the center of your church, not the building. And if you do that, you can not only face internal threats, but you can face external threats as well. So this is part one, all the believers, but that leads us to part two, one heart and mind. And throughout the book of Acts, Luke pauses regularly to describe the kinds of things that this community would do together. Uh, They would devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, they would eat together, they would pray together, they would serve together, they'd worship together. But there's two things mentioned here that get mentioned almost every single time Luke talked about the essence or the essential nature of the early church. And both of them are expressions, in other words, they're outworkings of the unity of that church. And so here they are, Luke goes on to say in verse 32, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had." And so the first expression of unity that shows up every time the church is described is the sharing of their possessions. Then the second one is in verse 33. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so the second expression of their unity is also a sharing, but this one is a, a verbal sharing, a sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those outside the church. And so what we're seeing here is a radical countercultural generosity both inside and outside the church. Inside, they generously share their possessions, outside, they generously share the gospel. And let me just share two ways that we've seen this lived out in our church, and the first one is actually about you. Uh, I actually think the closest I've maybe seen to this kind of generosity happen is right here in this room. You saw it in that video, when your church gave to our church. And in the lead-up to that uh, time, David put out a video to all of you, and he actually said something that caused my wife and I to, to cry instantly when he said it. And what he said in a video to all of you is that normally when you do a gift like this, the church asks you to give above and beyond your regular giving. But what he said was, uh, this, this time though, if you can't do that, we'd rather you give whatever you'd give to CamCC this month to Christ Church Los Angeles. And we'll just trust that God's gonna keep the lights on. And then look at what you did. Now, suffice it to say for the moment, the mark, the clear picture of a Christian is one who is unified with his or her church so much so that he or she is generous with their church, generous to the needs of of others. Now the second thing here is a generosity in sharing the gospel message, and that's in verse 33. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And one of the things that we're working to figure out in our church, in our part of the city, is how do we live out verse 33? Living out the idea of continually testifying to Christ, not just one-off, not every now and again doing something evangelistic, but continual, continuously testifying. And so uh, we tried something back in March. We launched a a Moms and Toddlers play group that meets twice a month. Uh, The idea is to invite moms or dads and nannies to come for a couple hours with toddlers and babies uh, to play, and for the adults to have some coffee and good snacks, and just trying to create a sense of unity within the neighborhood. Uh, hopefully that earns us then the right to share the gospel with those families. And uh, last month, which is only the third month that, since we started, so if you count it up, it's the fifth and sixth times that we've done it, so we've only done it just a few times, we had our highest attended group yet. That's 14 moms that came, uh, plus a bunch of children. And the vast majority, like nine or 10 of those 14, have no connection whatsoever to our church. And so we're beginning to learn our evangelistic voice in our community in order that we can live out verse 33, continually testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, that's part two. In part three, Luke actually shows us how they got there, how they got to be of one heart and mind. Uh, And so look again, verse 33. Do you see what it says sandwiched right there? At the end of the verse, right between the part about evangelism and the part about sharing all their possessions, do you see what it says? It says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And so this is, this is how they got there. This is the one reason for their unity that is expressed in generosity, that the grace of God is powerfully at work in them all. The whole, the magnitude, the multitude, the fullness. And what is the grace of God? Well, one of the ways the earliest Christians talked about that is a doctrine called our union with Christ. In Romans 6.5, it talks about the Christian being united with Christ in his death and united with him in his resurrection from the dead. In Philippians chapter 2, it says not only that the Christian is united with Christ, but that union with Christ leads to a profound union with other Christians. And so here's what this is showing us. It's showing us that when a person becomes a Christian, they are spiritually united with Christ. There is a union between Jesus and a Christian that is so essential, it begins to transform the new Christian. And think about it like this. When a couple gets married, what does the pastor say at the end of the wedding service? After they said their vows and exchanged rings, after they kissed in front of their grandparents, what does the pastor say? He usually says something like this. They are no longer two, but one. Now what's the pastor saying? These two are now united. They're united in such a way that it begins to transform their lives in an essential way. It changes where they live, it changes where they sleep, it changes what they eat, it changes what they wear, it changes what they do on Christmas and Thanksgiving, it changes what they do on an average Tuesday night, It changes what they think about, what they dream about, what they pray about. It changes how they spend their money, how they save their money. But why does that happen? Well, before they were single. Each person's life was their own. But now they're married. Now life is a participation of the husband and the wife. They both participate in the one life now. One home, one bank account, one meal, one Christmas, one Thanksgiving, two lives becoming a participation of one life united together. They are no longer two, but one. All that was the groom's now belongs to the bride. All that was the bride's now belongs to the groom. And so when a person becomes a Christian, through God the Holy Spirit, the Christian and Christ are no longer two, but one. The Christian's life now becomes a participation in Christ's life. Christ's life now becomes a participation in the Christian's life. And all that belongs to Christ becomes ours. And all that belongs to us becomes Christ's. And in in that we exchange all of our brokenness, all of our sin becomes his. Or put that another way, all of the debt of our sin he pays for. It belongs to him now. And that is the heart of the Christian gospel. Jesus Christ paying the debt for our sin. And so this, when he says the grace of God was at work in all of them, this is the grace that Luke is talking about. In other words, as they grow in their union with Christ, the result is then union with one another. So much so that we read in verse 2, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Everything that belonged to this family now belongs to this family. So what's the application of a passage like this? Well, the application is this. Seek to be so united with Christ. Seek to be so united with Christ that the result is KMCC. You are all united with one another of one heart and of one mind. Nothing can stop a church like that. Nothing pleases Christ more than when his bride, his church, his body is of one heart and one mind. And the only way to get there is through humility, humbling yourself, choosing to humble yourself, to lay down your interests for the interests of others. And I referenced this passage just a minute ago, but the place in the New Testament that spells this out most clearly is Philippians chapter two. Look at that with me on the screen. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, Uh, do you see the way that the Apostle Paul lays it out there that if you have any encouragement from being what, united with Christ, if you're experiencing any of his love, any of his comfort, anything shared with you by his spirit, in other words, his life participating in your life, if you've experienced any of that, any tenderness or compassion from Christ, then let that shape how you treat one another in your church. Any union with Christ? Well, then it's union with one another. And the way that works itself out is in humility, in valuing others above yourselves, looking to the interests of others over your own. Now, from my perspective, this already is the kind of church that you are. That's what we've experienced from you. And I'm sure it's with some flaws, and I'm sure it's with some disagreements and some disunity. No church is perfect. But like I already said, nothing, absolutely nothing can stop a church that is of one heart and mind. And nothing pleases Christ more than when his bride, his body, his church is of one heart and one mind. Let me pray for you that you can be that church. Our Father, we, we pray that if anyone in this church has experienced union with Christ, which I know that's true, I just pray and simply ask, Lord, that they would experience union with one another. We ask it all in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Would you give Ken Lippold a hand?
3: We are so proud of you, Ken. We're proud of your church. We're proud to be a part of it. I gotta tell you a quick story. I went out to visit with Ken early, early on, and I, I just love these guys because I just feel like they have more faith than I do. And so um, I was like, I gotta take him out to lunch. I think we went to The Habit, if I remember right, Ken, we went to The Habit and I'm buying because you're a church planner. And uh, and so we ate lunch together and then we drove around the LA area there that, that he was, in, and they had just been kicked out of a school, that COVID kicked out, they're looking for a place to meet. He goes, Dave, I think I found a place. So he drove up to this place and it was like this alleyway we parked, we went in and it's like, it was like an occultish kind of a place. It was like, like New Age, or there was like weird paintings on the wall. You could sense eeriness and evil. And I'm like, Ken, God is not calling you to plant a church in this room. <laughs> you can't do it, man. No way. He's like, Yeah, we can, we can, we can redeem it for God's glory. I'm like, No, you need to go somewhere else. And uh, and and did you hear the story? A church that had been there for a hundred years. Now this is L.A. proper, guys. That that property that you saw there's probably worth four to six million dollars and those eight to ten uh members there said instead of selling this to some developer that'll make a high-rise apartment complex we want to give it to another church that's what happened that's an incredible story i mean i can't you know and you're not having to worship jesus and like you know in a place for the occult anyway so praise God for that. I just want to say, guys, when you give, and there'll probably be a thing on the screen to show you how to give to our church. This is our time where we give back, and there's several ways to do it. You can text to give, you can give online, you can. There's a little box back there you can, on your way out, give. But when you give to us, I just tell you, this is what we do with it. This is what we do with it. I, I used to be a part of church for years and going, where's this all? Where's all going? And so when I became a leader in church, I'm going to show people what we do with it. That's what we do with it, and we're hoping to do it 25 more times. Uh, We have uh, definitely uh, seen since uh, we've been involved with our denomination in L.A., about five churches get planted, and we want to see more. We want to see God do more. Do you know that humanity has a problem? Um, We have a lifespan of about 80 to 100 years. I say 80 to 100 now because I used to say 80. People go, hey, i got still more time. You're right, you do. 80 to 100 years, we have a lifespan, and humanity has this issue. Everybody goes through this. We're batting a 1,000 on it, okay? And the way that humanity has figured out to thwart this problem is to procreate, to have children that get another 80 to 100 years. Well, what people don't realize is, is that churches have a life cycle as well. We have a lifespan. It's about zero to 60 years, and at 60 years, most churches will close their doors. We're trying to get into a second life cycle ourselves So how do you thwart that problem? You procreate and you start more churches. That's why we do what we do. So. When you uh, give to us, you give us the ability to do that. Now, one last thing, if you are a part of the graduating class of uh, Pathways in the last 12 months, I want you to come forward, stand right up here, don't be shy, right up here. We're all gonna give you a a, a roar of applause. Everybody who has graduated Pathway in the last year, come on forward. Pathway is our class that we do. It's like a spiritual growth class. It's also our vehicle that if you wanted to become a member of our church, you would go into that class Class, and as part of your 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 spiritual growth vehicle there there's also an opportunity for you to become a member of our church so these are people that in the last 12 months or so I've said we want to be devoted to Camarillo Community Church uh, we want to be a part of the family we want to be official you know type of thing and maybe it's time for you to do the same thing and so when we do our pathway class in the fall you want to jump in you want to be stretched spiritually you go through that you want to take the next step in your walk with uh, with the Lord and with our church, you would do this as well. So these are our graduates. A roaring applause for our graduates of Hathaway. The last 12 months or so. Thank you guys so much for joining the family. Thank you so much. We love it. We love that you take that initiative. We're hoping that you'll jump into a growth group now and become family with other people in our church as well. So give them one more round of applause. as a appreciation. Some people, we've had this comment in the last year, how do I become a member of this church? Uh, You join the Pathway class. It's a part of it, but it's more of a spiritual growth vehicle as well. So you guys can head back to your seats. Thank you. We are proud of you, and we love you guys. And we're hoping that your tribe multiplies in our church. With that being said, we have a couple things we want you to see. So we're going to look at the screens and give you the latest of what's going on here at Camarillo Community Church.
7: Hey, good morning, Camcc. I'm Ed Lane, and I serve in the worship ministry here at church. I am so glad you are here with us today. If today is your first time with us, welcome. We have a gift just for you, a $5 Starbucks gift card for that black tea lemonade you love so much. All you do is grab a connection card, fill it out, and take it to the welcome counter out there in the lobby. Or you can scan this with your phone and let the welcome counter know that you filled it out digitally, and they will still hook you up. If it happens to be your second time visiting us here at church, welcome back. Check this out, you get a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. We will also invite you for an all-you-can-eat dessert with our pastors, elders, and staff. Easy peasy, just let us know it's your second time out there at the welcome counter and it's yours. Or if you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. There are a lot of great things coming up at CAMCC. Who will you invite to come along with you? June 18 to 23rd, Fryathon High School Summer Camp. Outgoing eighth graders to graduating seniors, take my word for it, you are going to love this week at Lake Tulloch. Wakeboarding, tubing, giant inflatable water slide, trampoline, the best food you've ever had. Believe me, you are going to truly build lifelong friendships and memories. The absolute best week of your year. Sign up soon before there's no more space. For more info, contact Jacob at camcc.net or register at camcc.net slash Saturday, July 15th, ladies' summer evening hike from 6 to 8 p.m. Close out a summer evening as you listen to the birds and enjoy a warm evening walk in nature. Hike around three to four miles, moderately difficult, shouldn't be too bad. Contact Ali Smith to sign up at allison at camcc.net. August 11th to 14th, Middle School Catalina Summer Camp. Enjoy kayaking, snorkeling, hiking, games, prizes, and more on the beautiful island of Catalina. This will be a week you do not want to miss, so be sure to register right now. That includes you incoming sixth graders as well at camcc.net slash Catalina, or more info, contact Jacob at camcc.net. To stay in the loop of what is going on at CAMCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to camcc.net. I'm
0: Ali Smith, the Women's Ministry Director here at our church. We're also so glad you could be here today. Uh, what I got out of the message was actually just how freeing it is to know that we are all here for the same purpose, the same family, the same church, capital C. Do it that way for you guys. Uh, it's just so free. So if you are a guest here with us today, please make sure you go to the welcome counter to get those awesome gifts. And remember, that's also where you can sign up for the pathway class. The next one's going to be coming in fall. So make sure to go ahead and get that done. Invite somebody to come with you next week. And of course, right now, go join us on the patio for a donut and some coffee. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you.